Middlecoff recording this first part of the show late Tuesday night after the Warriors loss to the Memphis Grizzlies with Middlecoff in a Warrior beanie. What is up? All right, John, before we dive into the show, let's tell the people that we are brought to you in part by our friends at Manscaped. Manscaped.com slash ham. If you're thinking the Warriors just lost, that was a tough L. My life is falling apart. What can I do? Take control of your life. Get yourself looking 100 with manscaped.com. Promo code ham. I might have said slash ham, but if I did, I meant promo code ham for 20% off and free shipping. I might get a little late night. You know, it's 930 right now. A little late night trim session before I go to sleep. Why not? You know, a little 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 ball trim. Uh, Right now, manscaped.com. Promo code ham. It has the lawnmower 4.0. We have the 3.0, the 2.0. The 4.0 is the best. Uh, The weed whacker is hard to beat. Uh, Great nose hair trimmer. And they, they have everything you need. So just go to manscaped.com, promo code ham, and check out all their glorious stuff. Yeah. Nothing calms John's nerves after an exhilarating but tough L, like a little self-care and manscaping. So that's smart. That's that's just your thing. True. That's just your thing, I guess. <laughs> Manscaped promo code ham. Clear out your winter brush. Actually, this says bush, but I like brush better. Clean out your winter brush and join the other 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com when you use the promo code HAM. All right, John. Late Tuesday night, I thought there was no way the Warriors were going to lose. I kept thinking there was no way. You got cocky on social media. I got super cocky on social media. I thought Memphis just didn't have it. Once Steph banked in a three, I thought it was all going to start falling after that. But uh, soon after that, he bricked the three. Clay missed a shot. Steph got a little, felt maybe a little hesitation late in the game. 106-101, Memphis with the win over the Warriors. The series now tied at one apiece. Uh, well, big picture, this series, like, I mean, I, I fell asleep last night trying to watch Suns Mavericks. You couldn't pay me to watch Chubby Harden and no Joel Embiid and the Miami Heat, who are pretty boring. I, I, give me Celtics, uh, Giannis, but th- both games haven't been that good yet. This series feels like it's on a completely different level than the other three. I'm not trying to get nostalgic here. And listen, Dylan Brooks, as Coach K told him one time, you're better than that. But I do enjoy a playoff series where bodies, I mean, uh, did that have like Seattle Seahawks, Harbaugh, Pete Carroll, 49ers, 2013 vibes? That was a war zone, guy. Between the foul to start the game, Steph getting hit in the head, Draymond bleeding, Steph later bleeding. Uh, yeah, it was. What, what did, was Coach K? Didn't he say you're too like good of a player the, to do in, that? Yeah, in the handshake line. What? Because he just like shot a late three. It wasn't even a foul. Right? Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't anything like that. I actually thought I'm a. That was pretty. Uh, that was pretty crazy. And I mean, he he could have. He really barely. Hurt. He did not really elevate like you elevate to block a shot. And he wasn't even really looking at the ball as he followed through. And then he almost, he didn't even give him the full, like, let me come check on him effort. He did it maybe to try and cover up the flagrant two. But was your immediate reaction, that's the flagrant two, he gone? Well, once they slowed it down and he got crushed. And then Gary Payton's laying there screaming, who is a pretty tough guy. Then tries to come back in. We don't know the severity of the injury. I mean, 
it could be really bad. And he tried yeah, to come back in. I mean, he's a tough fucking guy. MRI didn't uh, not, not conclusive. They're going to do another. But when Bob Myers came back, I don't know if you saw that clip of Bob Myers coming out of the and locker Lacob's room to talk to Joe Lacob, and Lacob gave hit him with a Jesus Christ. So uh, the fact he didn't come back in the game, not good, and it just didn't look good at all. In a weird way, I appreciate the Memphis win because, like you said, this series is so good. It's so so good. Pretty crazy for the Warriors. Seven of thirty-eight. That's eighteen percent. Steph was three of eleven. Clay was two of twelve. From three, guy. Steph I, I was. Had, I had some Patriot tweets ready to go. Like you do the dynasty, the the championship blood. These guys making Rando look sweet. Yeah. And you got Memphis credit. They did not. Not only did they not fold. I mean, Jaw turned into like I don't know. Michael Jordan meets Kobe Bryant. What the hell was that? <laughs> what was that? That was insane. How about his move at the end of the game when he was running at the clock and he gave a little shimmy shake, Barry Sanders, and he runs around like. Who is this guy? He's incredible. I think one thing with him, and maybe Clay wore down a little because GP two, you know, Clay, Clay, was terrible. Clay, Clay played thirty nine minutes. I uh, forty one. Clay played forty one minutes. Clay and John Morant, those are the two guys that played the most. Forty one minutes apiece. Steph played thirty nine. Maybe the GP two injury hurt him there. I mean, John John Morant had forty seven. He had forty seven points. His strength, his body control. The way he always goes as high as he can and then sometimes continues up and then other times scoops it. But John Moran's energy to me, just his energy, is one of the most incredible things. I mean, 47, it took 47 to be a Warriors team, but it's awful from three. I mean, how is that not a Grizzly playoff record? I don't don't know their long long history of the the franchise there, but how many franchises have guys that have scored – 47 points. He, yeah, he was remarkable. To me, the difference in the game down the stretch is Jaw turned into a little Michael Jordan, and, and Clay Thompson was really – And I, listen, I like you say, it's, is it fair to blame him? 41 minutes is too extreme. Like, that's too many for him. But he was shot, like gassed. He looked really tired. Couldn't move. Yeah. A couple times he was just kind of standing there. You know, Steph Curry – in a vacuum, I think he's a better – like his career is better than Brett Favre, obviously. But I do think they have some parallels, right? They're two of the most spectacular players to watch in their primes ever. They both do some of the dumbest shit of all time. I mean, how many turnovers does Steph have? That he had like, one oh turnover. You talk, You think of the one he tried to like throw it from the top of the key to Otto Porter coming down the lane? Well, he had one of those. He had another one where he threw it back to Jordan Poole and the, it just hits a grizzly and he takes it and ends up dunking. I mean, he had, he had three or four turnovers, like basically the last six, seven minutes of the game that were for, for I mean, potentially a top 10 all-time NBA player. Like, you're allowed to turn the ball over, but guy, I mean, he had he had five, but it felt like two or three down the stretch of that game were, were on him. Like, just really, really bad ones, which is, you know, part of the reason, I mean, it's kind of been his MO his whole career. His, he'll just, you know, the Warriors will end up winning this in six and he'll have multiple 40-point games and no one will remember right i mean the thing in football like you throw that pick that's the only moment you remember in series like you can you can overcome i thought that was i i thought he was bad you know for him again these are super high standards right they need him to be superman and, and clay and i mean he was way better than clay but i mean andrew wiggins guy was one of seven from three i know dunk. but i actually thought he was playing well i i think you know think about wiggins or kuminga when either one of them's on the floor, you're going to have one of the most athletic players on the floor, regardless of who you're playing. Um, I think the, I think they got to put more Kaminga. 14 minutes, like I could you get him 18, 20? 
Just have him run around. What do you really? Yeah, it's I mean, like, I, he's it's not like sold. the Grizzlies are rolling out a bunch of like veteran guys. Like they're no, running around I'm, young guys. I'm with you, which is why I ultimately think the Warriors win the series. It's why I defaulted to them finding a way to win the night. But I mean, you just you played Superman. John Morant, 47 points, ties the Grizzlies postseason record for points, which was set by John Morant last year against the Utah Jazz <laughs> when he had 47 <laughs> points in game two. <laughs> Uh, of their postseason series with the Jazz, a 141-129 loss. So this was the best I'm, game. I'm, I'm with you, though, on Wiggins. and I thought Otto Porter was giving him good minutes. I mean, I heard a stat from Windhorse in the last series, the Grizzlies, T-Wolves, of like 36 potential fouls that you get, you know, in a, in a seven game. Is that seven times six? Six times six? Oh, they played six games. So it was 36 total fouls. Jaron Jackson Jr., had 31. So, I mean, he almost maxed out. I mean, he fouled out of like three of the six games. I mean, he fouled out tonight. He is a fouling machine and he is really good when he's in the game, right? He can just, I mean, he can shoot threes, he can fucking block shots. If, if he fouls out, usually the Warriors are not going to shoot. You know, I mean, guy, they had like Ben Simmons vibes for them, right? When balls are airballing and, even Steph was like shaking his head after he banked it in and they called timeout. Like that was a joke shot on his level. They easily could have won this if their shots were just I, obviously not on like the highest level splash bros, but just hit two or three more threes. Now you could play that game. I meant this could play that game last time, but seven to 38. I mean, that's, that's about as bad as it gets. Doesn't it? 18. I mean, yeah. That, that combined with 18 turnovers to me, that's they'll turn the ball over though. I know that's true. How that's good is true. it? How good is this series? This is the intensity of the series, though? I mean, I just well, I was thinking late when the Warriors were were inbounding the ball that the best NBA playoff game I think might be as good as it gets. Best football is great. Baseball, the drama between pitches, but what basketball has that no other that the other sports don't have is that you take turns on offense. Yeah. So it's just it's, if it's Steph Curry against Don Morant in the last minute. You never have the shot of like Tom Brady just sitting on the bench watching, you know, which is whatever. I love this. I love it all. But basketball has this. You can get a John Morant bucket and a Steph Curry shot within four seconds of each other. If you're a die, if you're a diehard fan, an elite NBA playoff game would be the one to have incredible seats and go to at your home arena. It's just the biggest roller coaster. Yes, because it felt like the Warriors are going to get blown out and then the Warriors came back and I had. You know the uh, Undertaker memes ready, and then all of a sudden they they fall back. That back, it's just part of it now is the three point shot has completely changed the sport, right? It it can shift back and forth really quickly. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, I mean, Jaw hit some threes tonight, but he just is Iron Eagle running out of things to say with Jaw's name. He said Jaw Breaker the other night. He said Jaw Lift and uh, Jaw surgery today i i was gonna te- i actually texted him one i said you've got to be joshing me but don't use that <laughs> do you know what i love is how i've been on him actually for a while but you guys are buddies yeah i've i've been on him for a while about do you remember that commercial the end the um like the the anderson's got tickets to the game do you remember that commercial it was like for NBA tickets.com. He'd be like, how'd they get tickets to the game? The Andersons got tickets to the game. He voiced that commercial. Eagle? I don't know if you remember that. Uh, yeah. So, not, so I mean, every I'll, time I'll there's an it. Anderson in his game, I text him like, 
You got it, Kyle Anderson tonight. The Andersons got tickets to the game. He never uses it. Anyway, sorry, what were you how'd, say? how'd you meet him? I, I met him circles? doing a Warriors Nets game. Oh, I yeah, went to Brooklyn that. to do Warriors Nets. He's pretty good, actually. And I, I I've enjoyed this guy doing NCAA games and NBA games, Jim Jackson. Jim Jackson, yeah. like Dame Lillard, I am so jealous of the way they say Draymond. I, I don't know Draymond. how to do it. He's saying Draymond. I Draymond. That I Draymond. However they say yeah. it, it, well, Dame says it the you same thing. Emph- Draymond. Put the emphasis on the Mond. Draymond. Yeah, there you go. Draymond. Draymond. But I feel like they do it. It's just so crisp. It's like, I yeah. want to say it like that. You have How to say Jim Jackson's it? voice is part of what nails it because he got this good deep voice, you know? Dame, Draymond. Same, but he, Dame art, er, er, verbalizes it or articulate. It comes out of his mouth the same way as Jim Jackson. I'm like, I want Draymond. that. <laughs> We're not, no one goes with Day Day anymore? No, I mean, Draymond is way cooler. Draymond. <laughs> uh, game three on Saturday night. It's just gonna. It's must see TV. It's the series that's saving the postseason. Yeah, the the NBA. You know, the, the ratings are back because of this team. Like it's yeah, their product is a completely different animal than everything else. And listen, I I love Giannis, even though you couldn't pay anyone at ESPN to talk about him. He's not as cool as Kyrie, Kevin Durant, and that whole crew. But like he clearly, the league doesn't market him or wh- whatever the deal is. And and I don't mean like. Obviously, he wins awards and stuff, but he's just not the polarizing guy that some of these players in the NBA that the first take shows talk about. And so, I, I, I mean, I, I really enjoy him, but I, that game, game two was just, bleh. <laughs> I mean, this thing, both games have felt like NFL playoff games or something. They, they felt like when we were growing up, 90s NBA, when it was just a war zone. Yeah. Part of it's the Warrior brand. Obviously, they are drawing a lot of eyeballs. I just think I, I give I, Memphis I, a lot of credit. Memphis is bringing it. I said this to you earlier about about 2015 when Charles Barkley said jump shooting teams can't win a championship. The Warriors have just for for what year are we in 2022 for seven years at least, and you could argue going all the way back even before that. It's not like Steph came into the league as an unknown because of what he did in the tournament with Davidson. So minimum seven years, everybody's had a side on Steph Curry. Whether it was, can they win a championship? Is he better than Magic? You know, can he win? Is he truly, is he better than, is it his team or KD's team? As long as Steph's been healthy, for an uncontroversial player, there's always some debate going on with Steph. Like, there's really no Giannis debates going on. But there's always some debate going on with Steph. And it's it's just incredible. I mean, it's just been so good for the NBA. And he's so, everybody's eight-year-old loves him. Everybody... If you have just a casual fan around you, if you're at a bar, everyone knows who he is. Women love him. Just everybody, kids know who he is. Just it just it just works. And he's the other thing with him is he's still in his prime. I mean, he's having, you know, he had the injury, but he's he is in his prime at 34 years old still. You wouldn't say he's technically like what we think about guys' primes in their prime. But when I watch, don't you feel that way? Do you feel like he has? Any well, slippage I, from- well, I bet tonight he'd say he played a terrible game and he was 27, 8, and 9. But like, do you agree when you watch him? Do you feel like yeah, he, he looks, is still in his he prime? Looks awesome. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And then you combine that with Ja, who was kind of all the stuff I said about Steph. Ja, who was this small school, crazy, big time scorer, you know, had a little bit of a rep coming in, not necessarily household, household name, but is extremely fun, is extremely likable. You kind of wish you could. This could be for the Western I, Conference Finals. I'm a sucker for a smaller market. 
just having a crowd that every single person in there, yeah, they wouldn't rather be anywhere else in the world yes. than sitting in that seat and how how yes. much they value it. And Chase just is going to have some of, but it's not quite. And even Oracle in the Kevin Durant days changed, but like I, you and I got to go to that the year they first won it. Some of those teams, like it, it was a pretty special environment. Obviously, the Bay Area is not small market, but the Warriors were not considered some big market franchise till like Kevin Durant showed up. People do not remember that. Obviously, we grew up around the Kings and Arco Arena when they were really good. It is, it's pretty fucking cool, you know, when you have a basketball team that you think can win the NBA Finals or just win playoff series, right? You're just you're just going there to watch them win a playoff game. And any playoff game you get to witness at home, I've seen them at Arco. I've seen them at Oracle. It it, it just, it's an incredible experience. And I, I got to tip my hat to the Me- I You expect that. I mean, you know Memphis is going to bring it, but it that thing is rocking. You know what it is, I think? It's the same thing that has people arguing about like high school rivalries for the rest of their lives. It's just civic pride is really hard to replace. It's why I think college sports teams can be so valuable because it's just it is so embedded in you. When you went to that school, you grew up in that town, and those smaller, you know, like it's good. It's it's L.A. for the Rams can have great crowds. Going to be hard for fans walking through those doors, going like, "Today we show the country what we're about." You know, they got a lot going on. It's not how they think of their team, but smaller market teams, man. Oklahoma City used to be that way. Yeah, it is pride like this represents us this is an extension of us let's show the world what we're about we're about to be on national tv the kings used to be that way when yeah they were good um i think obviously i think the i think the bills have that obviously right yeah bill yeah they do they do you know it's when you have a town that you just doesn't get the credit and i've never been to memphis actually i mean in tennessee i bet it's a pretty cool town but now they got this guy. Now he had to be superhuman for them to win this game by five points. You know, it's I, I still like the Warriors in the series, but Warriors did what they had to do. You split on the road and bring them back home Saturday night. There you go. Can't wait. All right. On the uh on the pod, we'll now get to the rest of the podcast, which we recorded a little earlier today. Here we go. Debo Samuel uh liked a bleacher report gridiron post of John Lynch saying he expects Debo to remain a Niner. Does Debo's bio say likes are not endorsements? Because if not, then likes are endorsements. And I understand where you're coming from. I'm tired of chasing, you know, trying to chase a story based on posts and likes. But I do think you also have to put it in the context of does the person that the story is about, in this case, the story, Debo Samuel is the middle of this kind of little story verse here. Does that person think that likes mean something that scrubbing an Instagram account means something? Now, could this be Odell Beckham told Debo, Debo, throw some people off the scent, hit this post with a like. You're just going to keep yourself kind of in the news. You're going to fire some people up. Maybe, maybe it's all just a troll job. I remember you and I a long time ago, back in our radio days, talking about how, how easy it would be to just mess with everybody. If you really wanted to do it, if you wanted to start a feud, Right. These two guys hate each other. How easy it would be to present that and all the information you want to present. Like, would it be good for business if we if we started leaking stories that this is the only time we talk behind the scenes? We, we It's impossible and it's nothing but 
but anger and 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 you know like w- w- just just that kind of thing like with a band you know get people invested and so by keeping your names in the news just by a little like here um now chasing gold That's on the stream said, idea no <laughs> send that one to jb his brother restored with a finger crossed emoji i don't know i mean so far <laughs> so far <laughs> It I'm all not naive enough, and th- we don't th- know th- exactly what the pieces of the puzzle represent. Yeah, and, and to me, when Debo situation is figured out, and there comes to a finality to whether he signs a contract, they trade him, whatever the hell happens, he's not the first, and he definitely won't be the last of this type content. So I'm not naive if you're in the business of you know talking about the NFL. I mean, the NBA has been dealing with this for a long, long time. I would say the NFL has thrown their hat in the ring over the last couple of years. <laughs> I mean, the NBA guys like live on social media. The NFL guys actually have to work. You know, they go to, you know, during the season, like Monday through Friday, it's long days. The NBA guys have a lot of time on their hands right. and it's a lot of social media. I would say that's the social media league. Baseball is kind of the anti-social media league. Uh, in football, somewhere kind of in the middle, and I'm, I don't mean I just mean the it doesn't feel like the players. It just feels like less a huge part of the ethos of the whole the whole thing. Not, not even I'm not even saying it critically. I'm just and honestly, it's kind of refreshing sometimes. Yeah, just, they play every day. You just watch them play, and it's just not like always going back and forth on fucking but, social media emojis. Yeah, but you could argue it'd be good for business if some of them did. You could, yeah. I think baseball would argue we need some of that. We need somebody who hates somebody. We need somebody who talks shit about somebody. It'd be great for a player to have some controversial opinion about literally anything. Uh, well, the Mets are the adding to that. They're getting fights like Well, yeah, day. guess who their coach is? <laughs> Buck Martinez. Buck Showalter. <laughs> Buck Showalter. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I think Martinez, he's still around? I think he's still. I think he's still. He's. I love Buck Martinez, Blue Jays broadcaster. Hey, Buck Martinez, kind of sounds like that. You know, I'm a big Buck Martinez guy. Used to be on uh, national TV a lot, right? You did. I love, I'll watch the Angels just for some Buck Martinez, man. Um, so, you know, I wonder, like, if you slid this in front of Kyle. Hey, Kyle, just a piece of information, uh, just so you know, Kyle uh, Debo liked a Bleacher Report post about something John Lynch did on CanBR yesterday. Guy, uh, Kyle said the highlight back. of his press conference at the end of the draft was not having to watch college film till 22. You think well, that gives you some insight, right? That he probably didn't <laughs> love the idea of replacing Debo Samuel with Traylon Burks. No. Again, he's not, he's not in one thing you give Kyle credit on. He's not really into unknowns. <laughs> he, he's not into the just completely going into the wilderness blind. Well, some coaches like, bring it on, baby. <laughs> Bring it on. Let me mold. The Kyle's like, I like knowing. It's why we pigeonholed him for so long. Of like, Cousins, Matty Ice. Does he like Matt Schaub? You know, you just start going. He just likes to know. Matt, Mac Jones, <laughs> Mac Jones. It is very, honestly, for as much as we gave him shit, and it was so polarizing, and there was so just, there was tangible anger. Like, he's not drafting Mac Jones at three overall. It is very, as time has gone by, understandable to see why Kyle Shanahan was smitten for Mac Jones, right? It is the ultimate, just puzzle piece, plug and play, go. Uh, I could understand. I, I, I would not understand smitten, no. I would understand. 
okay, this is a fine option, which I think is where the Patriots came from. And yeah, Smitten would be strong. Option. I don't. Doesn't feel like Kyle. Like Kyle falls in love with Trent Williams, and I don't think he cares that much about his quarterback. Right? It's actually he's not in love with quarterbacks. He just views them as a vessel for him. His Which knowledge. I think is what made Trey Lance potentially a unique Kyle pick is that it feels like this is the kind of guy that has the skills to make you smitten. And Kyle has seemingly sworn off. Guys, uh, as a coach, do you know who I'd want? Nick Mullins. I'd want, uh, no, I'd want Mahomes. I'd want Steph Curry. I just want to go cook, man. Yeah. Go cook. Get your cook on. Make me you look know? smart. Yeah, I mean, that's why Andy's never, got the best thing going. Like he gets called a genius and he has the best quarterback in the league. Yeah, just go cook, man. Um, I think I this is probably an appropriate time to mention what Kyle Shanahan said on Saturday, which is about devices, screens. I think he used the word screens. Devices is a word a lot of people of a certain age use, but he used screens. And he said, sometimes you just got to talk to people person to person. So a Debo liking a post or Debo not liking a post. Kyle Shanahan's tactic isn't going to change. Kyle Shanahan's tactic is let's sit down with the guy. Maybe, maybe things have thawed. Who knows? Every time we try to read into a Debo social uh, post, we see a video of him. He looks happy. So Kyle's going to sit down with him. And I said this the other day, and it, I'll say it again. This whole situation is going to come down to whether or not John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan can A, are willing to A, pay Debo what he wants to be paid, and B, are are able to repair whatever needs to be repaired, which is what they're banking on. They're banking on A, they got enough money to make him happy, and B, their, their skills in solving problems person to person are good enough to solve whatever this Debo problem is. That's what they're betting on. I, I think one thing that has dramatically changed... And it's guys, I mean, since we were kids in the early 90s, athletes relative to society made a lot of money. But I would say relative to just what even they used to make in the last 10 years has gone to a completely different level. So the money has changed the interactions of how you do business. Like I I still whenever I see headlines of like the great resignation, all these people quitting jobs. It's, it's not like the majority of human beings have been banking 800 grand a year for the last five years and can just chill. Like most people need to work, need money, and are usually beholden, which I, I feel for a lot of people, like to their boss, to their company. It's just the way society works. Where it used to be in all three pro sports that management ran it. You would say a little bit in the NBA, but it would take for the most of it, like a historic player, like Magic or Michael or Shaq could impact but like the random james harden you know usually wasn't and in baseball and football like the management ran it it's why they always had contentious you know cba negotiations it always felt like the players were getting fucked it definitely the pendulum has swung to where i think teams that have tactful like you you, ultimately john lynch and kyle shanahan are still in charge Right in football, more than the other three sports, I'd put baseball up there too. But like a good baseball player has a lot of leverage, kind of like a quarterback, I guess. But there, I, I just think when you look around the Sean McVeighs, Howie and Sirianni's, just the young crew. I think Jason Light, he's a little older, but he acts young. Uh, I, I, I think they're very cognizant of that, of that interaction with players that was 
a huge, honestly, as a kid, one huge part of pro sports were these crazy interactions between the hatred of like management and players. And it made for incredible before reality TV ever existed. It was true. Like this is pretty crazy. It doesn't happen as much anymore because it just, it doesn't behoove anyone to do that from the management side, even though they talk like that behind closed doors. Right. Like you, every, every draft meeting, like the 49ers just had draft meetings for the last three weeks, right? And there were conversations like, if we do trade this guy's ass, who's filling the spot? I mean, just like, I mean, conversations that if they got out, you know, the, the you forwarded me that Bears fan or the Bears scout hmm. that I don't know why he was talking to the media after Friday. It wasn't even like after the later rounds. It was might have been like a bears.com, but I'm not positive about that. Yeah, he called and anyone that has like Instagram that follows like business accounts, like PhD. It's like what CEOs look for, poor, hungry, and determined to hire young people that then turn into like excellent employees, right? And he said poor, hungry, and desperate. desperate. And listen, I, I I thought it was a little overhyped. Like most, you could argue some of these guys aren't poor anymore now with NIL, but pe- I think his point was we're just looking for people that are fucking hungry, right? That's, that's what any company's looking for with a 23-year-old. But of course... I think this guy might have got fired anyway. I saw the Bears fired a bunch of scouts. But my point is you just can't talk. There are certain ways that you just can't talk, I guess, corporate-wise. I can talk. You can, We can talk on the podcast if we want. But if you're going to be in those situations, given the setup of their business, it's just not 1996 anymore. It's just not. Yeah, and, and I would even say if those comments had never been public, but he had said that and Bears players heard that comment, like if I were the general, if I were Ryan Poles, I wouldn't want my players to know that my scout thinks that way, right? Even if they do, and maybe it served, maybe he's found a bunch of players using those of his three core tenants of how to find a player. I think you don't want player. You you spent think about how much time GMs and coaches spend talking about culture and it's us and we're a family and you know faith, family, football, all those sorts of things. Not family football guy, right? And that like no, I'm just trying to expose your your deepest, darkest desires and use them for my benefit, right? Which sometimes people have different motivations and they lead to the same ends. But you what don't if want someone's like a God, pool like parties that? and football. Like not even God, just uh pool parties, Sunday fun day. And football. <laughs> like as a coach, I have three philosophies. Sunday fun day, <laughs> Wednesdays off, <laughs> and IPAs. <laughs> Friday skins game. And drink with the boys on Saturday. Yeah. Unfiltered cigarettes. <laughs> so anyway, uh, that's uh, well, you know what? Let's talk about the real money of it all, because A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf and uh, uh, Debo were all linked together. Right. Because they had the same agent. They were in the same draft class. They were second rounders and they needed contracts. And they're some of the best receivers in the NFL. Well, AJ Brown has signed a contract and DK Metcalf has said, what? Basically, I'm going to sign a contract. I expect to be a Seahawk. Yeah. And while we don't know what his. And it feels like he's like, it's going pretty good. Like they're just all, you know, everyone's on the same page in Seattle, it feels like. Yep. Um, And now we have AJ Brown's money, money, the real money, right? Not $57 million in guarantees. That's his total guarantee if he gets hurt. His full guarantee is $40 million. $40 million with a signing bonus of 
Um, we can pull up his uh, his contract as well and look at it. But it sure looks like a contract that the 49ers would do with uh, Debo Samuel. If you're watching the YouTube, you can see it. Four years, 100, signing bonus 23, average salary 25 with six zeros after it. Total guarantee 57-2, guaranteed at signing $40 million. Yeah, I mean, for example... George Kittle a year ago got $30 million guaranteed at signing. Now I understand that they play different positions and the market value is different, but I do think when the, when you view valued players, right, George was valued as just a huge core piece of the 49ers team on the field, off the field, the the heartbeat, the ethos of kind of what they stand for. You would say the last season of what Debo did is just something that even George doesn't have in the bag. Because I always think about when you sign contracts back to Belichick's thing of just the money impacts how everyone views each other in the locker room. Like part of paying Trent Williams, the highest paid guy in the locker room in terms of guaranteed beside the quarterback, which I think everyone just kind of comes to grips with quarterback money, but like all the other positions, everyone acknowledges Trent Williams pound for pound is the best player on the team. (laughs) Right. So it's like, okay, we get it. Nick Bosa is going to get paid. Trent Williams talks about Nick Bosa. Like, yeah, I've never seen a pass rusher like that. So it's all it all kind of falls in. George Kittle makes a ton of money. What's well, like he's an all pro level talent, right? People get it. Fred Warner got paid. He's a huge part team captain level player. So if you are going to pay guys a little more than other guys, I do think it matters that Debo's a team captain. Debo's beloved as a player on and off the field. And you just saw the way Armstead talked about it. I think they all value that because to me, when you pivot off guys. Like was AJ did they pivot off AJ Brown just because it wasn't going to pencil for a year or two or just maybe they thought, you know, I don't know if this guy's like Derrick Henry fits us more than this guy does as a person. And I'm not I don't know that much about AJ Brown, but I I I do wonder if that had to factor in cuz if you love the guy, I don't think you you trade him. And clearly one thing you can it's not disputable about the 49ers, they love Debo Samuel. I I think it's fair to say that, you know, I wonder if Mike and John Especially Mike. Like, are, are we sure that, like, he Mike knows Frable, the Patriot the Titans. Yeah, I mean, uh, um, it's well, also... Pete, I don't, Pete doesn't, I don't even cares about that stuff, right? DK? I'm not saying he doesn't care, but... He loves DK, right? You, you can yeah. guess that, right? And I also think, well, you're talk- when you're talking about Debo and the 49ers, you're talking about a guy that if we took everybody, if we brought every coach and GM in and said, you know, on a scale of 1 to 100, how much do you love, and we just started giving them their own players... Like Andy would love Patrick Mahomes at a 99.9, right? Yeah. Whatever. He would love Travis Kelsey at a 99.9. Kyle Shanahan would love George Kittle at a 99. They would love, I think it's pretty likely they love Debo more than the Titans love AJ Brown. The evidence is there. What I, the only thing I would say to what you said is it doesn't necessarily mean the Titans didn't like AJ Brown, but they might've just said for us, you know, Debo Samuels carried us to the NFC Championship, just carried us to the NFC Championship game. We've been to the NFC Championship game two of the last three years. It's not as if the Titans have been that as quite as close to the mountaintop. They might like him, but they also might be more willing to go, okay, we're willing to do 80% of his production for a fraction of the cost. Now, part of it, too, is Ryan Tannehill's making cap hit this year $38.6 million. That's Tannehill's cap hit. Tannehill. So I do think there is a financial element to it for them, but yeah, it's a lot. Jimmy's twenty-seven. 
Yeah, Jimmy's is big too, which is, might be the reason why Debo doesn't have a contract right now. But I don't know. They keep denying that. Which, which I, 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 I do think once you looked at Debo's, or I mean, A.J. Brown's contract. I agree with this. Someone DM'd me the other day. They said, well, why, why do teams always backload and not frontload? Well, I said part of the reason they always backload is because if you look, the majority of teams don't have $40 million just to play with, right? The reason everyone does contracts like this, the Eagles didn't have $35 million of cap space. So they, they could not... If you told Howie would love to have his AJ Brown's cap hit this year, thirty-seven million. Like do the majority of it up front, so they have right. wiggle. But they're not able to do that. Like so it's five points this year. Yeah, the 49ers would love to do the same thing with Kittle and Debo, but because of the money, like they're just not able to do that. Like, yeah, in a perfect world, you would always have the money uploaded, so you always have wiggle room year to year. But that's not the way. Because everyone's on different paths, right? Like Fred and George now are on a different path than Debo. Same with Trent. It's just not everything's synced up. It's 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 honestly why Parags and the Howies are so valuable. Mickey Loomis, all those years, still going because you know the Cowboys sometimes find themselves in a little trouble. It's just it, it's it's really hard because you're balancing so many people. Like in the NBA, let's face it, like. If you got two or three max guys, it's really like, is your owner willing to pay the tax? Because the money's the money. In right. baseball, it's like, well, do you work for the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Giants, or you work for the A's or the Rays? You know, in football, it's like, well, I, I, I've, I've been using this over and over because it's I've never heard it articulated like this, and he, he was dead on, is that the Combine Howie said that every team in the league has the same resources, the same amount of picks, the same amount of money. You just choose how to use it, Right. You just like every team starts from scratch with a one, a two, a three. But over the years, you start trading, you start allocating draft picks, you start allocating money. Like everyone can spend the max the cap if they want or use the picks however they feel necessary. You just, you get to dictate and choose how, like the 49ers chose to use all those picks on Trey Lance. And then those picks, the, the domino effect of them getting parlayed for other guys by other teams is just a huge, but it, everyone starts with, one through 32, that pick, right? Like, where did your pick go? Like, why did the Lions have pick 32? Well, because the, you know, it's just, you can always trace back. Yeah. Same with money. Like the Niners chose to give George Kittle, Fred Warner, these guys money, which they should have. But now it, it makes everything a little more complicated. And I think from the sense of why ultimately Debo's money is going to be, we keep talking about him sustaining. Same with AJ Brown, who's been injured. Their hits, like the impact on the team salary cap, won't be once Debo, which I assume he'll eventually get signed, till like 24 and 25. Ideally, you'd love it. Just shit, I'd pay him you'd want it to all be the guaranteed the money, money in the first two years. And make it basically a two or a three year contract. And then you're now, free. That, that's where you could argue you get rid of Jimmy. You could put Debo on the salary cap this year for like $25 million. Which Maybe I, that's what I, they I, want to do. Maybe it is. Uh, Corey says, what's your opinion on when a player should be coronated? Is Debo's coronation premature? Premature coronation. Um, was this not his first elite season? Just curious. Thank you, Corey. I, I don't have a hard and fast. I mean, I, it's, I think part of it's a feeling, and sometimes you're wrong, right? Sometimes you think this player's about to take the next step. I think that's a lot of the way we talk about sports. 
is trying to be early on a player, not late, right? So the big debates about Steph Curry came, I was just thinking about this today, actually, as it relates to the Warriors, when Charles Barkley in 2015 said that a jump shooting team can't win the championship, and so the Warriors can't win a championship. It was one of the most valuable things that's that anybody has said around the NBA in the last seven years, because Charles is such a lightning rod for takes, right? And I think Steph was such a lightning rod for takes because he looked like no one we'd seen before. And I think one of the fundamental things that really made Steph a great player to argue about is that he's not big and players that aren't big are harder to project players that are big. People are more likely to say will be great, right? It takes a little more projection when you are small. And I think what Charles created was what was going to kind of happen anyway, but Charles added a lot of fuel to the fire with that comment was everybody had a take on whether or not that Warriors team can or can't win the championship and whether or not Steph can or can't be the best player on a championship team. And then they, and then the chase started and it was gone and it was gone and it was gone. And it was a major story for the league. And it's part of the reason why I think still it's just so in everybody's blood that as the league has changed and LeBron's been on three teams and guys are all over the map. The one thing that hasn't changed is the thing that got the same reason I saw a, a Garth Brooks video today of him playing at LSU. <laughs> Did you see him play Baton Rouge in front of that crowd? Amazing. <laughs> I haven't, you know, I probably listened to that song a million times between whatever, when that album came out in 1993, I could not hear that song for the next 20 years. And the second I hear that song, I'll know every word to it. And I think Steph's kind of the same way. A lot's changed around the NBA. But the second you see Steph Curry shimmying and running up and down the floor, all the takes that everybody had from 2015 and 2016, they all come storming back. And part of the reason those takes are fun is because it's fun to talk about a guy before he's won four champions. It's easy to talk about Brady, like, oh, he's the GOAT after he's won all his rings. But what about when he's won one? That's when the debates are fun. Now there's not really a debate. And I think that's kind of where we are with Debo right now is he has shown this incredible breakthrough ability. And the question is, if he's that like every – Every year for the next three years, then he is one of the he's a he's an MVP candidate, John. But I, that seems like a lot to ask of a guy. And that, I hear my point saying. is like this is just the moment in time, I think, with Debo right now. I hear what you're saying, but a huge element to this is just the timing of a player's contract in football, right? He's going into the last year of his contract. You know, to me, if he had let's say they had drafted him 31st, like they had traded up instead of taking him 36, right? Got at the end of the first round picked up his fifth year option he'd have a little less juice right they'd have more i mean it's just he's on the he's going into the fourth year and his crop of guys one literally just got paid and it was like who's gonna go first so to me i'm with you the big picture that's always the conversation internally how's this guy gonna project how good's he gonna be for a couple years and let's face it basketball Steph's a good example because he was an injured guy and he could stay healthy but for the most part in basketball unless you like have a long injury history football you're always scared even if a guy has been durable just like god this game could just wipe you out right you know the moment Nick Bosa gets paid every time next season when he just doesn't immediately get up everyone's gonna be like get up Nick I'll give you my knee (laughs) you know I'll give you my elbow honestly I hate to say this you know it happened twice the other day when Clay gets a breakaway with a guy right on his hip. I hold my breath. It's the number one thing that I absolutely made me just still gives me a little bit of the heebie-jeebies thinking about. And I had no decision-making power, I, but I was just part of a team. 
And I remember feeling this at Fresno State and definitely with the Eagles when a guy would just be laying there. And, and honestly, it could just be a random backup player, let alone a good starter. But I, I think that is the number one, the coronation. He had, if he's healthy, I think it's pretty clear Debo is going to be a dominant player with Kyle, right? I mean, he was pretty damn good as a rookie as a second round pick. The, the reason 2020 got weird is he got injured, came in out of shape in the quarterback situation. But like as a rookie, there was a lot going on in that playoff run. It was like, God, this guy's pretty fucking good at the end of the season. And this year it was like, that translates. Like he can be a dominant player in the league for several years. The only question is health. And then you factor in, I was thinking about this because I saw back to the Bears thing. Piece of advice I'd give anyone in the NFL or, you know, industries we in radio, if you get fired, why, why? And I get it. Like there's a, we all have an ego. And really, I think sometimes we worry more, obviously about feeding your family and stuff, but, you know, unemployment can keep you alive for a little bit. It's more about like, oh, I got fired telling people that it's, you know, it's tough. Yeah. It's not an easy thing to say. Yeah. So really, you're worried about other people's opinions. But why would you ever want to be somewhere? Because you think about relationships are like this. If if your wife, your girlfriend, or vice versa, you don't like them or they don't like you, and don't, why would you want to be in that? Like in a job, if they don't want you, you want no part of it. Like ultimately, AJ Brown, like I, I get him being a little perturbed. Like you guys don't want me, and clearly they didn't. Well, they wanted right? him for sixteen million. Yeah, but they, they wanted him enough to have no problem doing a pivot for Traylon Burks. Like the Niners, they have Although, shown... You know, the, the video of, of Mike Vrabel going on a little mental health walk to the door and back tells us it wasn't that it wasn't that easy well, to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, it was clear. It was a very tough... You know, it's one of those, like, very tough decision, right? It was not an They just subtracted one of their best players from their team. Yeah, so I, I'm making it seem a little too, like, black, e- black and white, easy, you know, cut off and get rid of a trade. It, it wasn't. No different than the Niners with Buckner. But ultimately, like, I'd say if I was DeForest Buckner, like, they were cool with trading you. <laughs> so, like, you were in a place where Chris Bauer and right. Frank Reich, the, you're now the heartbeat of their team. They traded a one for you four years into your career and then paid you. Like, Debo, these guys want you. These guys are telling hanging up on people. I saw another one today. Not a great offer, but the Lions offered pick 32 in the third-round pick. Now, you could argue, well, yeah, John, these are easy deals to hang up on, which is true. But you could argue 18 and a third round picks not enough for AJ Brown, right? When he's healthy, he looked. I text Howie, I'm like, I'm sure you watched the 49er game, but I lived it. And that was a man against boys game. <laughs> that is more than the Jimmy pick in that game. I just remember like, uh, I, they could have Jason Verrett. I don't think it would fucking matter in this game. This guy is on a mission. Remember that? How dominant that guy was? And you've seen him like, if you just watch Random Titans game, he's a great player, but. You want to be where you're valued. You want to be where you're liked. Now, you also, part of pro sports and any business, it's like, okay, pay me <laughs> like you like me. Right. So now it comes the second, iter- you know, it's like they've they've pledged their allegiance, they've pledged their loyalty, and they've pledged their love. Now comes the harder part. Yeah. Which this isn't, the other thing, it's like, it's hard because it's not Kyle and John's money, <laughs> right? So it's not like it's coming out of their pockets, but they are the stewards of this franchise that mean a lot to a lot of people. And it's the reason that the team has the money is because the fans you want to do, you're trying to make the best decisions to win, which ultimately benefits the fans. So it's, you're always thinking like that, but Debo is, I mean, a pretty fan favorite type player, right? 
Yeah, I I, uh, I saw somebody on made a. I was just looking for it. I couldn't find it. Somebody commented on one of our other YouTubes, and I meant to grab grab it earlier for something else we were going to do. And they basically said, "What should really offend Debo are the offers that other people gave the 49ers. Like some of these offers were not offers of teams that are falling over themselves for you, right? Th- this person's point was like the Lions offered a first and a third or whatever it was, like." Are you, you're supposed to be flattered by that. You should be more flattered by what the Niners say about you. Now, the what, money, what would you what would you guess if if when the Lions called and the Niners went, well, Debo's not available, but Nick Bosa is before the draft. What would their offer have been for Nick Bosa? Well, they used the one on Aiden, so right? two, and Nick Bosa is sure. better than him. Now oh, Aiden's no. cheaper than him, but Nick, but it's not like Aiden Hutchinson was the second pick, so he's making whatever it is. For, he's not not he's not. It was he forty million or whatever. Well, he's, it is. he's making more than Bosa because it's a couple years later. It's right? true. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think the Niners would the Niners trade Nick Bosa for two ones, two and thirty-two. I uh, no, I know they can develop. I, they feel good about developing D linemen, but I think it would cost two thirty-two. Probably a third in next year's one. Like it would be that. I mean, he's the he's a top five. He's going to be the highest the paid pass rusher in the league here soon. Yeah. Um. But that speaks com- to like what shows you, Debo. Like your your value is unique to this team. He just, he's not just, a no brainer multiple one player. It's it's a it's a two part process. Tell him you love him over and over again, and then pay him like you love him. Uh, Akash Anavarathan. Yeah, but. Said, uh, but wouldn't you want the cap hits later because the cap gets higher and so the percentage is roughly the same? No, because I'd want to front load it that if he's not living up to the production and he gets beat up, I can pivot. Part of like that to me with him specifically, right? Because my question with Debo Samuel is sustaining this. Like think about Zeke with the Dallas Cowboys. What was the knock on, obviously you don't sign running backs, but why don't you sign running backs? Because they fall off a cliff. Well, Debo... Can he stay, maintain this for three years? I would love to keep Debo on my team for six. But as we see a lot of guys that aren't like kind of this deep, again, there's not really many Debos, right? The the outside guys can sustain. I would like to just have the wiggle room that if it's not going well, I can just move off of it. That that would be my mindset. We're like Bosa and Trent. Like I understand doing that later. But with Debo, uh, I would like the ability to pivot. I also think if it were March 15th and we were a day or two away from free agency, you might look at this differently, right? You'd say, well, I don't want to have no cap space. I got free agency coming up. But now free agency is in our rearview mirror, right? Honey Badger has signed somewhere else. A lot of money. And the Niners eventually, if they trade Jimmy or cut Jimmy Garoppolo, will have cap space that they are not going to use on anything else in 2022. That That, that is the the icing on the point, right? They, to me, if let's just say hypothetically, Debo doesn't sign till training camp, the 49ers cut Jimmy Garoppolo and they immediately have whatever the number. Now I know he has that depends on how much he signs for, but let's just use it. Let's just use his number $27 million available. Well, who's going to become available beside the, you know, you need your money to sign your draft picks or whatever, but the 49ers didn't have a first round pick. So how much, What's the total compensation of their draft? It's going to be pretty low. Honestly, there are a lot of teams in the league this year where their draft cap hit is going to be really, really low relative to most years, right? Think how many teams didn't have first-round picks. Think how many of those teams then ended up with like either late second-round picks or some teams didn't even have first or second-round picks. 
So you could use do a cap hit of $25 million this year on Debo. Wouldn't that be conducive? And then it really turns out to like a two-year contract of like two for $42 million or whatever, right? If you gave him 41, you know, like a little bit more than A.J. Brown or whatever. Yeah. And you get, boom, a large percentage of it. Because usually whenever you look at a cap, right, of a long-term contract over $50, $60 million, it's always like three, eight, 18, 29, right? Where Debo would be the opposite. Now, you could argue if you're him, then it's like, well, then you could just get rid of me. But you don't necessarily care if I'm paying you. Players don't get caught up on how you amortize the money over the cap. They just care how much you pay me and what the APY is. And how quickly do I get it? You could also argue if you're Debo, you guys love me so much, you better pay me a little more than AJ. Because those guys didn't know him from Adam. I mean, they watched his tape, but they don't know him. Desperate. Yeah, I'm just if you love me so much, AJ just got 40 mil from a team from strangers. Never met him. Well, they they him at the draft. draft yeah, they did. Howie's been plotting this for three and a half years. He's like, John, uh, we'll give you 18, uh, a third. We'll throw in Ortega Whiteside or Jalen Rager if you want him. <laughs> Ortega hey. Whiteside's playing tight end now. Honestly, he could probably bulk up and play tackle if you really needed him to. He's like, let me uh, let me see. Maybe I can get the Giants' fifth pick if you guys take Kadarius Tony. Hold on. If you guys take Tony, the Giants said they'll send me the fifth. You guys want to do that? <laughs> that was a good. That's a good question, Akash. That's that's a good little. I, I enjoyed that. Yeah, I think the key is what you said. It's that they're not. What are they doing with the money this fiscal year in the fall? Now you say. You, I think the pushback is you just never know what becomes available. It happened with Garoppolo a couple years ago. Khalil Mack. You know, the Gruden, you just, things change at the at the drop of a hat and you want the pivot ability. Now, the, my pushback would be, well, even next year, it's not like you have a one to give, right? It's not like you're you're locked and loaded with some ammo. Uh, John, let's tell the people before you go any further. Maybe John and Kyle are sleeping a little easier about our friends. It's sleepnumber.com slash ham. Sleepnumber.com. Guy, key to life is sleeping (laughs) and sleeping well and getting a good night's sleep because you're so much more productive the next day. And at sleepnumber.com slash ham, you and I have sleep number beds. We've had them for a long time. We've been partners now with sleep number for a long time. We we aren't just true believers. We we live it. We we live it. And, and, And we reap the rewards being able to be full-time streamers. I mean, you just see us streaming, podcasting, because we have the energy based on our good night's sleep, guy. I went to bed last night at 9 o'clock. Ooh, I know you did because I texted you and did not hear back at like 9.45. Was out. Then I think I had an animal fight outside that woke me up at about 1.30, and I was up till about 3. Ooh, I, I, I went, on a walk yes- went on a little walk yesterday for some coffee, go up to the UPS store, drop something off, a little return some pants. And there was something on the ground as I'm approaching, as I'm approaching, as I'm approaching. What is that? What is that? What is that? Rattlesnake thrashed squirrel. It took me four minutes to, I just, it, I mean, just one of the most disgusting things. <laughs> I mean, it was horrible. Well, you, you know, you kind of live in the, you not, I wouldn't say the wilderness, but like mountain lions, coyotes, you know, a deer. You, you seen any deer in your front yard? Never seen it. Never seen a deer. No. Never John, sleepnumber.com slash ham has other tips like avoid large meals and heavy snacks. 
before sleep. I said the other day, brush your teeth right after you eat. People are like, no, no, you got to wait an hour. You don't want the juice. It's bad for your teeth. All right, I'll check with doctor. Wait, uh, set a sleep, a quality sleep goal. It's healthy and realistic for your lifestyle. Track how long you've slept. The sleep number 360 smart bed tracks the total time you sleep and the percentage of your sleep that's restful. Get yourself that sleep IQ score. Sleepers who routinely use their sleep number 360 smart bed features get almost 100 hours more proven quality sleep per year. And it works for everybody, whether you like it softer, like John, sleep number is 40, or me, a little firmer, sleep number 55, sleepnumber.com slash ham. Discover special offers now for a limited time at your local sleep number store, sleepnumber.com slash ham. Sleep number, proven quality sleep oh. is life-changing sleep. I was trying to get like a bassy thing there. <clears throat> reading Elon's tweets. Oh, anything good? He's, he just said sunlight is the best disinfectant. Oh, that's that's I like that's a good. Uh, who does that? That quote belongs to somebody famous. Yeah, I'm sure he ripped it, but it's uh, it's something to be said about sunlight. Makes you feel better. Makes you look better. It's I mean, it's proven to be good for your mood. That's what um the Vikings guy who everyone was attacking the other day for his oh, three Marino? minute presentation said. He's like, people get out and see the sun. <laughs> Get out and I see the know. sun. He went to have a successful acting career. Famous, yeah. So you Famous mean guy. NFL player and successful acting career? That's doing a lot in life. Yep. Uh, all right, John. Here is Ryan Tannehill. We're competing against each other. We're uh, you know watching the same tape. We're, we're doing the same drills. Uh, I don't think it's my job to mentor him, but um, you know if he learns learns from me along the way, then um, then that's a great thing. Talking about Malik Willis, I'll play the beginning again. We're competing against each other. We're uh, you know watching the same tape. We're, we're doing the same drills. Uh, I don't think it's my job to mentor him, but uh, you know if he learns learns from me along the way, then um, then that's a great thing. You can come along, but just don't speak. Is basically what Ryan Tannehill had to say. I got a lot of people's attention um, after the uh, the Titans drafted uh, Malik Willis in the third round. And a Tannehill met with the media on Tuesday. Those were his comments. It's embarrassing. I mean, there's just no way around it. You and I talked right before we hopped on. I mean, part of the deal in the NFL, especially at that position, when I pay you so much goddamn money, it's to be a good guy. And the standard at that at that position, you could say, is a little unfair. But it's as John Draper once said, that's what the money is for. Like, shut your fucking mouth. Like to me, that's kind of a clown. Like, if I'm Mike Vrabel, I'm. This is not one Brady and Manning wouldn't act like that, even if they felt it, you know, internally. And two, there's Eli, just, who was once replaced by Geno Smith during a consecutive game start streak after he'd won two championships for the Giants, by the way, didn't say a word. This guy, they're they were the number one overall seed in the playoffs. He threw three interceptions in the playoff game, and they didn't draft this guy, I'd also say, in the first round. This is a third round, not even close project. Like, Ryan, you are the starter. I, I don't think he's 1 million percent guaranteed to be the backup. He just, you know, I don't know. I mean, what if he can't complete passes? I mean, he, he has a long way to go, guy. He's To me, he's a total project at third round. And to say that is just, honestly, it speaks to Jimmy Garoppolo last year who had the guy drafted third overall. They traded multiple picks. And they told, yeah, Jimmy, you're still the, probably the starter. 
Like, and, and he did. Can you imagine if Jimmy would have said that? But last they said year? probably. They didn't even say you're the starter. Yeah, they, they are more sure see. that Ryan Tannehill is the starter in Tennessee than the Niners were last year that Jimmy Garoppolo was the starter. Well, I'd say the people around Kyle weren't sure. I think Kyle was Kyle sure. was sure. Good point. <laughs> uh, but I, I just that that's a pretty embarrassing moment. Even though, like, I, I just saw Pro Football Talk wrote it. it. It does look worse in print than when he's saying it. Like, it wasn't that bad. It was. It just had a little Roethlisberger vibey. Remember with Mason Rudolph? I do. It's just. It, it's just. Not necessary. And again, you're the highest paid guy in the franchise by a country mile. And let's face it, you, you're not earning that money right now. And if they could, they would have kicked you to the curb. So to, to operate like that, now, he's not a quarterback at heart, right? This guy was a wide receiver once upon a time. It just, it just felt a little selfish, narcissistic, just not I, quite getting it. Yeah, I think it's, to me it felt insecure. Like there's no amount of money he's going to make the right word to use. $38.6 million this year. Right. But we all know he's not a $38 million quarterback relative to how many quarterbacks make 30 are going to make $38 million this year. Now he's a great story. You you said it receiver at Texas A&M turned first round quarterback. And then on top of that, turned into a pretty solid quarterback. Yeah. But I think this is his third contract. The, the, my dolphins extended him. He's made a lot of cash guy. Yeah. He's, he's, I I actually understand the feeling, but I don't. I pay you thirty eight point six million dollars this year. I've paid you so much money. Part of that money is for you to understand when your emotions stay inside you and when you share them. And if one day Mike Vrabel in two weeks has to have a convert had to have a conversation with Ryan, like Ryan, I know you think you're our starter, but we need you to help this guy. And that would have just all been behind the scenes, and that would have been fine. To take it public is to me to do partly what the job requires you not to do, which is to become a little overwhelmed by your emotions, to be a little uh, to feel the pressure in a pressure situation and not keep your cool. And much like a pass rush, Ryan Tannehill just got the pressure put on him in an uncomfortable situation and he didn't keep his cool. He didn't do the right thing, even though I can sympathize with how he feels. Like you could, here's a, here's an example. I'm not an example. Let me put it to you this way. Cause I think we all agree. John Robinson, you talked about it on Monday's live stream, which was a YouTube only. If people missed it, go watch. That was a good show. Um, part of the, that was not included in the 100,000 views from NFL draft weekend. Thank you to everybody that watched that. That was 107. 107. I rounded up. John Robinson, high level. Mike Vrabel, high level. It's not their job to call Ryan Tannehill and tell him, hey, we're about to draft Malik Willis. Now, would you be protecting Ryan Tannehill from himself when he inevitably gets the question, which the media always asks the quarterback in this spot now, thanks to Aaron Rodgers, did they tell you they were going to draft this guy? Right? Thanks the Jordan Love situation now. Anytime a quarterback gets drafted on a team that has an expensive quarterback, hey, advice to quarterbacks, they're going to ask you if they told you ahead of time and you better have a good answer ready. And maybe the answer is no, but your answer should also then include, but that's okay. It's not their job to let me know ahead of time. I'm just here to compete. I thought when you brought up Aaron Rodgers, you were alluding to when Brett Favre treated him like shit. <laughs> no, was not. But let me just This guy wasn't a first round pick. No, no, let me just finish that point. So John Robinson, Mike Vrabel, they don't owe Ryan Tannehill that. Now, if they wanted to protect Ryan Tannehill from a stupid comment like that and just... What you're doing is you're making Malik Willis's life a little harder, just like just like Roethlisberger made Mason Rudolph slash Middlecoff with Hare's voice a little harder 
life a little harder? Because he had to answer then questions about that. Like, how are you going to handle it? How are you going to, uh, is Ben helping you? Right. You're making Malik's life harder. So to me, to help Malik, if I'm the Titans, I call Tannehill and I say, Tannehill, hey, we just drafted Malik Willis. You're going to see it on your TV in three seconds. Or we're about to do it. Just heads up. You're our guy. Not out of respect for Ryan. I don't think he deserves that necessarily. But to prevent Malik from now having to at, answer the question that he's going to get asked, Ryan said he's not uh, mentoring you. How's that going? Now, you could also say this. No, 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 guy. They didn't tell Tannehill that because they wanted to create this. They wanted to make Ryan uncomfortable. They wanted to put Ryan in this spot. They need more from him. Mike, Which Rabel I would imagine some Bill of Belichick. That. Yeah. Mike Rabel played for Bill Belichick. So there's two things he he one thing he likes putting pressure on players one thing he hates players saying things they shouldn't be saying Belichick hates it too maybe I, I, I just go back. This, maybe they wanted Tannehill in this situation but yeah to me I just go back like, like the, the the tone's kind of been set like how to act and it's it, it's a high, the high bar but yeah, Alex Smith Jimmy Garoppolo I totally agree. you 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 kind of look and even this I'll say about Roethlisberger. Roethlisberger had a lot of Pro Bowls and and a couple Super Bowl appearances and some rings and was a he was already a Hall of Famer. Yeah, so I'd say I don't even like comparing. Roethlisberger's allowed to be a little act a little weird, and but no one considered Roethlisberger like Mister Character, right? I mean, I thought one thing about Tannehill, like high level guy. I I don't know that much about him. I thought high level guy, like that's a low level guy move right there. I've seen what high level guys do. Alex and Jimmy. We just have two recent examples. That was a low-level move. And, and honestly, you could see the anger on his face. Part of being a quarterback, you have to be able – like there had to be days last year when Jimmy was like, God, this is bullshit. Mm-hmm. This guy doesn't know the fucking plays, and I'm getting asked by all these guys about this and that. It's like I, I, I he can't even rattle half the playbook. Just, I mean, things that, will, that would never come out. But every time he'd suck it up, he'd be like, God, he's handling it really well. I mean, Alex – Still to this day, they talk about Alex and Chiefland, about how he mentored, and Mahomes always goes out of his way to be like, I, I owe Alex a lot for showing me the ropes. And it doesn't mean, to me, words are pretty overrated. Actions matter. Like, if it comes out in six months, you know, Tannehill, and they're getting along great, and he's been great to him. It just seems like it, he did create something that didn't need to be created. Yeah, 100%. In this day and age where he knows the deal. If, right? if you're John Lynch, and I'm I'm giving you a fake scenario, but I, I mean the sentiment of it. Would you text Scott Fitterer, the GM of the Panthers, and say, hey, man, just I know you're going to draft a quarterback soon. Let me tell you how Jimmy Garoppolo is going to handle that situation. I'm not sure how Baker's going to handle it. Just FYI, right? And use yeah. today as an example, because this is what we're talking about. This is the Niners' best selling point, or one of the Niners' best selling points. It's, it's kind of convoluted because you're telling a team, Jimmy's not the quarterback of your future, but you're also telling them when you find the quarterback of your future, this guy's going to help them. I wonder if it's Niners, part of the reason. Know, did the Niners look at each other and go, huh? But a good thing everyone knows that Baker would not handle the situation. Yeah. Well. yeah. Did the Niners look at each other today and go, man, we're, if Jimmy's our backup, you know, we'd be lucky to have him this year based on what we just saw. You're hard-pressed to find a, a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo. And it's true. I mean, I'm tongue-in-cheek, but it is true. It, Jimmy Garoppolo, Aaron, um, Alex Smith, those guys in those situations are outliers. Jimmy, we just need you to give us $17 million back. And if, for every game that you start, we'll have $1.5 million bonuses, but we need to give money to Debo to front load his contract, be a team player. Could the Jets acquire Jimmy Garoppolo? Just like, you know what? Let's take a step back. Zach, mentor this year. We got all this talent around Jimmy. Let's just try and win, and then we'll bring Zach along later. No. I'm just trying to get under Jets fan skins. Can you imagine the freak out in New York? 
Uh, speaking of front offices, John, the Las Vegas Raiders, who Devontae Adams' uh, upfront guarantee looks better and better with every receiver contract that gets signed. Because A.J. Brown was, what, 40? Devontae's guaranteed at signing was how much? Yeah, I think it was a little over 20. <laughs> as, as I was told uh, by someone who negotiated with the Raiders, just look at the amount of money they pay up front historically relative to other teams. It's not quite in the same ballpark. So, yeah, you know, the Raider fans used to get mad at us about the way we financially talked about the team, but they don't exactly operate. Like, you see Steven Ross, what he gave uh, in the Polygolas? I mean, what they gave Tyreek Hill and what they gave Stephon Diggs, it's a lot more money than Devontae up front. Now, like we always say about quarterbacks, Devontae ain't going anywhere, right? I mean, he's they traded a first and a second round pick for him. I would say at minimum, even if things got weird, he's on the team three years. I guess there is an out after two, but I guess things would get really weird after two. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. It's the NFL. Josh, who knows? He's got I mean, two, just, though. You agree? He's yeah, got two? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, he's got two. They just, you know, Patriot way coming to Vegas, John. Did we talk about on the podcast the three first-round picks that failed, or was that on the live stream? Uh, I believe that was on the live stream. That was not on the podcast. I mean, it's 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 really an all-time. I saw one of the PFF guys go. It's like historically just this is impossible to get any worse, right? Because three is basically the max amount of first-round picks you could ever have. I don't think anyone in the history of the modern-day draft is at four first-round picks. And definitely of the new CBA in 2011 when they've incorporated that fifth-year option. Like, it is that round is tr- just different than the other rounds, correct? Second through seventh is a four-year contract. Now, you have to pay more money in the second than you do the fifth, but the contract structure in terms of years is all the same. George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Fred Warner, why, we, why they all... Got extended. I mean, Debo hasn't yet, but after year three, was because her contract ends. <laughs> and part of drafting a guy in the first round is to get the fifth year option and to have all three decline. Now, I get it. They were all new players. And I saw the list. I think Vic Tafer tweeted it out. I think it was 11 of 32 guys so far had their uh, options declined. And maybe there were a couple. I guess that would have, the date was yesterday. So 11 of 32, which shows you, right? We often talk about 50-50, right, in the first round. But I bet if you looked at some of the guys that had their fifth-year options picked up, I would throw like a McGlinchey in this kind of category. Like, yeah, just guys like that aren't just like home run picks. Right. So there is like the 33% of just decline. Then there's probably the 25% of like, you know, we got to do it. We drafted him. He's a starter for us. But, we, you know, are we going to give him a huge extension? Let's just, we'll take it year by year. And then there's just the no-brainers, who you're actually trying to extend. But to have pretty easy declines. I mean, you and I talked about yesterday that Cleland and Abram, I mean, we're you don't even have a discussion. It's like, yeah, decline. Jacob's probably you got a conversation at the table when you're doing your draft meetings and free agent. You like you had a discussion about. To be it. clear, you see, I'm not convinced if it was still Gruden's team that Jonathan Abrams' fifth year option would be declined. You are, yeah. That would be a, that would be a royal mistake. Are you convinced? Think, you, you think it would be declined? No, I'm not. I'm not convinced, but I think that would be like you're just picking it up because he's your guy, not because he's any good. Because you wouldn't, Jonathan Abram, if Abrams, if he hits the open market, would never get twelve million bucks or whatever his fifth year option right, would be. Right? right. Maybe, yeah. Maybe it wouldn't be. I don't know. I'm just 
Well, no, I, I think it reflects that one thing under John Gruden is they had no clue what they were doing in terms of personnel acquisitions. I think we acknowledge that when they could just coach, when John was just running the offense and the team had its moments where they were not like a joke. Was it underwhelming giving us hype? For sure. But them running a draft and personnel stuff, like this had to be the most seamless offseason they've had since like the heyday of the Raiders and like Al Davis still had a shit together in like the late 90s probably or maybe the 80s. It just feels like a pretty normal franchise. I mean, guy, they were under Gruden pretty herky-jerky. And I'm, I'm not putting rugs on them at all. I'm not – I put Arnett because, I mean, I had talked to someone – before the draft and somehow that guy came up and they're like, how did they took him that high? I mean, character guy like Leatherwood was more just, is he good enough? Arnett was like known as a red flag flag person, you know? And I, I just, sometimes you got to get lucky. I mean, one thing Mark Davis mentioned when he hired, he's like, I didn't even know Josh McDaniel was available. <laughs> Remember when he like interviewed Ziegler and Ziegler's like, oh, who's your coach? He's like, Josh, it's like, he's available. And so, listen, the 49ers got lucky with Kyle. Josh turned him down. They just they ended up into Kyle. They got lucky with Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh was coaching 10 minutes up the road. If Jim Harbaugh had been doing what he did at Stanford at Vanderbilt or Boston College, he's probably not the fort ever coaching the 49ers. So I, Jed gets lucky. Like, you got to get lucky. Someone asked me the other day, they're like, why is it so difficult to hire coaches? Honestly, I think it's a lot like players. Because you are projecting a person, you could argue it's even harder. Because, like, I don't know how, unless he's been a coach before, right? Like a Ron Rivera or Andy Reid. But, like, a first-time coordinator, Nick Sirianni. Hell, Kyle Shanahan, who's a lifer. You know, I think, but I don't know. How's he going to handle the defense? How's he going to be with the whole team? Can he handle his emotions? Guys get overwhelmed. Because it's we have a long history of guys that are good coordinators that are terrible head coaches. And guys, the, the difference, though, is with Gruden. Let's not forget a lot of the things he used to say on ESPN. Draft Johnny Menzel! And part of it might have just been hype up the hype machine because that's kind of was his deal on TV. But then part of it, like once you look at his drafting, maybe he was serious. He didn't want to be wrong at the end of the day. You know, you don't want to be you want to. You don't want to be wrong. I I think one thing will be interesting. Now Belichick like Johnny Menzel too, so it's not like he. Yeah, was they were. They just. I don't think they were going to take him in the first round. Well, they decided they they decided before the draft they were going to take Jimmy over Johnny they Menzel. Brought, didn't they, they bring were both, them both together on a that, visit? Uh, did they bring them together? I don't remember that. I, I part thought. Of the book. I thought. I know it was if they didn't say two. that in the book, I think Lombardi said that that was a Belichick move. That two players, same position, you bring at the same time, and you kind of let the cream rise. Oh, interesting. I, I know people ask us sometimes when we say the book, because we've been talking about it for months, uh, better to be better to be feared is the Seth Wickersham book that we both highly recommend. Fantastic read. Listen, uh, this is um, so like just as an example, here's the Raiders draft, right? For people who haven't seen it up close, maybe Dylan Parnum, offensive lineman in the third running back in the fourth, a couple of defensive tackles in the fourth and fifth an offensive lineman and a running back in the seventh. Let's look at just some historic Patriots drafts, since that's what these guys were a part of. Last year, obviously, Mac Jones gets all the attention, but they got a fourth-round running back that turned out to be pretty damn good, Ramond, yeah. uh, Ramondre Stevenson, right? Mm -hmm. um, be interesting if Will Sherman ever be, if makes their team. Um, the year before, they got a tackle in the sixth and a guard in the sixth. That, that was 2020. 
those two guys have combined for 60 game appearances for them. That's a lot. Yeah, it is. 32 and 28. They've made multiple starts for them over the years. Uh, the year before that, 2019, all these guys have played. They got their punter in the fifth. They got 17 games out of their uh, out of their seventh-round corner. They got 19 games out of a fifth-round defensive tackle. They got 14 games out of a guard in the in the fourth. Um, they got 60 games out of a seventh-round corner the year before that. Braxton Berrios, not their guy, but he's turned out to be a good pro. They got yeah, him in the sixth round. Guy. Yeah. So, you know, the point is, like, 48 games out of an inside linebacker, Jawan Bentley, as I'm going through this thing. I'm going to keep going. Like the odds are, if if the Patriots' history is any recent history, and I know you you made the you've made the point a few times about Bill's coaching tree is not great, Bill's front office tree is pretty solid. So maybe the Ziegler element of this one-two punch here with Ziegler and McDaniel's is just as, if not more, important than the Josh. Hold on, McDaniel's with an S part of this, right? I think Josh said when he got the job and maybe this is a learning experience is he realized he needed a good right-hand man. And it's why he wanted this package deal. So a guy he could trust because it's so much easier to be a good coach. It's like anything in life, right? The more responsibility you can delegate to people you trust, the more successful you can be in whatever your job is and focus on, you know, whatever the most important part about your actual role. And with Josh, it would be, implementing the offense he's the offensive coordinator it would be implementing the scheme it would be coaching his coaches you don't have the time to just run a college scouting department which definitely felt like a lot of the new england guys that have failed they try to do everything and josh specifically when he went to denver at 33 years old he thought he could just be like bill walsh meets bill belichick meets bill parcells and he made it a year and a half and i i do just wonder like i said like you can't really dispute. Now, I, I can't. I'm not some draft nerd anymore where I can just rattle off every Texans player. But I, everyone I've talked to is like, I think the Texans had a pretty good draft. And really? think about think about the ammo they have coming with, you know, for the next several years of first and second round picks, right? They, they're going to double dip now for a while. Even if the Browns are good, having the extra pick 24, even if your pick's 10, isn't a bad thing, right? We just saw the Lions go from 32 to 13 to get, or 12 to get Jamison Williams. So I think these, I think there's an element of, I just wonder if Bill just has different conversations with those guys, right? He's just in a different, even during the season, right? If he needs them a little more. Yeah. And I just, you're just talking a little bit differently. Like when you're the O-line coach, you're just obsessed with like, we're just talking about the scheme. We're just talking about the opponent. Where when I go into Ziegler's office, when I go into when John Robinson comes back into town as scouting director, we're just talking bigger f- philosophical stuff. You know, like how do you think this guy compares to this? You're just talking a little bit differently than the week to week scheme to scheme stuff, which clearly in New England they just get on that. As Phil Savage once told me, Belichick gets on the on the treadmill of football, and there is no he doesn't break pace till the draft from the start of training camp till the draft. But I do think the coaches do something very specific where the personnel people, they're doing free agents, they're doing college guys. The one thing he gives, this is, I would say, Bill's greatest quality. As a college, you can't become a college scout without working in pro scouting for them. And typically, he makes you become at least a coach assistant for a year. So you just see everything. And those guys that become personnel people, they have just seen it all in the building. 
So they just have a pretty good understanding of how everything's working. Where the coaches, he he puts you like on offense and defense and moves you around until he finds your spot. But it's just coaching. Where personnel guy, you get to feel the pro, you get to feel the college. And I just think it's it's just a different conversation than like you're not playing a part in the game. So he's not going to be as mad at you on a weekly basis, right? <laughs> like in in November, in the heat of the season, like he's going to have a hot take. Hot take would be the wrong word, but like a legitimate, like is my wide receiver coach doing a good or bad job? Or if you're just the, hey, what I, I was at home with Cougar Linda and I was watching the LSU-Bama game and this little corner from LSU stood out. What, what's his deal? And you start, you I just think your conversations yeah, co- are probably different with Bill. The coaches are never left alone. I noticed it when I worked for Coach Hill, right? Because all we had were coaches. We didn't have a personnel staff. He just interacted a lot differently with me and Drew than he did the coaches during the season. Just because it was like almost a real, like a release. Like we get to talk yeah. recruiting, get to yeah. do. He just could kind of chill. Interesting. Uh, by the way, you mentioned the Texans. I do think they're a pretty interesting. I think one of the under the radar. I don't even know if it's under the radar, but one of the interesting stories this year in the league is going to be Davis Mills. Now, if they're if he's not good and they're not good, then they might have one of the top picks in the draft next year, and it's not really a decision. But what happens if he's kind of good, pretty good? I don't know what how to judge it exactly, and they end up still in a position to draft. You know, now or C.J. Stroud. What if what if because sometimes this happens, right? C.J. Stroud and um, Bryce Young. Bryce Young. Both are project like might go one and two right now in next year's draft, right? That's how people are talking about. It. I would say if you looked at a mock draft right now, which I saw a bunch coming out on like Sunday and Monday, yeah, they would be one and two, right? Dane Brugler, I looked at had that's what he had. But who do you have? Turn- who do you have one? Stroud. Stroud. I think. Will Anderson three. But what if it turns out that they both have really good years, but they don't go one two, they go two five. Feels unlikely. Two three. Whatever. I mean, unlikely. They, happens all. Justin Herbert got drafted six. Now, you know what? I rescind that. That's the bad example. Justin Herbert hadn't reached the heights that Stroud or definitely Bryce Young have. I'd say the hype player. on. I'd say the hype on these two is. I wouldn't maybe call it luck strong, but it's pretty hype strong. I agree, say? but yeah, but Justin Fields eventually didn't go in the top ten. But other guys went one, two, three. I know. I know. I'm just trying to concoct a scenario where the Texans are in a position to draft one of these guys, but also like the year that Davis Mills had. I, I think that would be the turning point in Casario's career, whatever decision he were to make. Because let's say he went, well, I'll just take Will Anderson. I'll keep building my team with all these picks, and we'll just build it around Davis Mills. And if it failed, then I think he's screwed. Because you think if if Davis Mills just turns out to be Dak Prescott or Kirk Cousins and you can build up a sweet team with all these picks, then you're in pretty good shape, right? You know what? Here's maybe even a better way. Does need to get paid. Because my scenario is a a bad scenario probably because it's going to be hard for them to be that – to for him to look that good and then for them also to be bad enough to draft these guys, right? Because he he just had a tiny little moments. They didn't even draft one or two this year. But they do have a lot of picks, like you said. They've got their one and the Browns one. They've got – they're two. They've got the Browns three and their three. The next year they've got both. So, uh, you know, maybe they're in a position to move up. Maybe they're in a position to move up. What do they do? What do they do if they draft in seventh? But they could easily get to two. 
I just I don't know. It does feel like that's unlikely. You're right because there's so many teams. You probably it's gonna you're gonna be hard pressed to have a team drafting one or two this year that is is in the position like doesn't need a quarterback. Yeah, Seattle. What if the Jets are drafting near the top? Bye bye Zach. Seattle. If the Jets just had the last two drafts and they're drafting one or two, they got problems. I saw Tanner McKee mocked to Seattle in a trade for one of the two. Well, like in the like later in the draft in the first round. If I was in the mock draft business or just taught like I had to do a column, I don't see how I wouldn't have Seattle as a top five team in the draft. Do you? Could they be better than? And then let's go through the list. Like Texans, Lions, Lions Jags. It's a short be, list. Yeah, it is a short list. Because you would say the law of averages would be the Jags. I mean, are they going to draft top one three years in a row? You would think they'd be a little bit better. I heard DJ and Bucky, they had like a draft recap pod. And he mentioned how in a... In a just times when people aren't signing linebackers. He signed multiple or drafted. He, I guess he paid a linebacker in the in the free agency. He drafted Lloyd at the end of the first. And the Muma guy, dude from Wyoming. My, who I, was, Muma. I was sitting on the couch and this is a highlight package. Like, damn, this guy looks like a first rounder. I know. And I, I saw him thinking, a couple years ago against UNLV. Well, think about this guy. Trent Balky, who was his best teams? Bowman, Willis, Eldon Smith, right? So it's like, Ahmad Brooks. I, I, bet his, I bet in his mind, just like, give me got ass kickers in my front seven. I've seen it work. Butcherbox.com slash ham helps you make good decisions. Last night I was thinking about ordering out, and then I reached into the freezer, grabbed some ground beef, and all of a sudden it was homemade taco night. With Butcherbox, you don't have to worry about what's for dinner. Butcherbox is offering all of you your choice of weeknight meal essentials. You get peace of mind with ButcherBox because it's high-quality meat and seafood you can trust. You get the ultimate convenience because it's delivered right to your door with free shipping, as always, and you get the ultimate customization. Your customization might be, I don't know what to do. Send me the good stuff. And they send you the good stuff, curated. Right now, go to ButcherBox.com ham and use the code ham. And you'll get either three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of premium steak tips for free in every order for a year, plus $20 off your first order. Sign up at ButcherBox.com ham and use the code ham to choose your free offer and get $20 off. I'm going to give you the same advice I gave my buddy who just called me recently because he was getting a vasectomy. He just came from the doctor. They said, they told me I got to shave. I said, gotta get two more like it. And I sent him the Lawnmower 5.0 from Manscaped. It's going to be the MVP for him and for you this March. Go to manscaped.com and use the code HAM to get 20% off and free shipping. Get the Performance Package 5.0 Ultra, and you'll be the Cinderella story of March. The Lawnmower 5.0 is strong until the last stroke with a battery that lasts the entire tournament, a waterproof design, and interchangeable skin safe blade heads that guarantee smooth. Ball handling every time. To top it off, the performance package throws in two free gifts, boxers 2.0 and the new toiletry bag. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code ham at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping. Manscaped.com, code ham. When things get hairy, make sure to call on Manscaped in clutch time. 
Get on the Prize Picks app, just like me, and use the code HAM50 for a first deposit match of up to $100. Football season's over, but hoop season is getting hot. Tournament season or the fight for playoff home court, there's no shortage of high stakes basketball moments this time of year. So get in on the excitement with Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app. And you can get it on baseball too. I've got some season long, more or less picks on multiple stat projections on home runs. Uh, not off, not feeling great about Shohei less than 38 and a half right now, but I put that one in the app just because I wanted something to root against with the Dodgers. Prize Picks offers injury insurance so that your entries stay live even if one of your players get injured. So hoops, somebody leaves in the first half, no problem. Injury insurance. And on Prize Picks, you can win up to 100x your money with as little as four correct picks i love it it's download the app today use code ham 50 for the first deposit match of up to a hundred dollars to oh yeah i was just looking at some pictures of a concert luke bryan my wife and i went to i don't know 10 years ago she had some old cowboy boots on this is a couple weeks ago and i said you, you need some new boots because we're going to see luke combs so she went to to Dot com And they're just perfect. She loves them. You can do the same. You go to Tecovas.com. These boots are Austin-designed, Texas-tested, handmade down in the boot capital of the world, Leon, Mexico. If you've ever wondered, can I pull off cowboy boots? Then you should pull on a pair of Tecovas, and you'll see they'll become your new favorite footwear. Cowboys knew what they were doing when they invented Western wear. And it's all kinds of Western staples. Trucker jackets, the perfect jeans to go with your boots. Performance pearl snaps, cowboy hats, bandanas, you name it. They'll get you outfitted. If you can't make it to a store, Tecovas delivers the most premium quality, most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit Tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and point your toes west. I got to tell you about the Eufy Video Lock. I've spent years trying to upgrade my security system at the house with one of those big-name companies that, I'll be honest, sucks. I got the Eufy Video Lock, and it's an automatic improvement. That's Eufy, E-U-F-Y, Video Lock. It's easy to install, just a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required, and now I've got the keyless entry. I always go for walks. I don't want to take keys. I hate stuff in my pockets. I go without the keys. The fingerprint recognition lets me in in less than one second. There's no monthly fees. You have your recordings locally. You never have to pay for storage. I love knowing that doorbell ring was just a delivery. I don't have to jump up and get it. Or if I'm out of town, I can look. I can see the landing in front of the door and tell the neighbor, hey, do you mind swinging by and picking up something? I love the 3-in-1 video smart lock from Eufy, and you will too. So search Eufy Video Lock, E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world. The nerds will help you get smarter about balancing your portfolio and avoiding scams so your money is just as safe as betting against the Cowboys in the playoffs. Planning your tax bill so you don't dread April every year. And saving on travel. Vacations coming. You spend less on airfare, it means you're not choosing between surf or turf. It's surf and turf for dinner and maybe even an extra night stay. So listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. 
don't would you imagine that Trent Balky views linebackers different than a lot of people that undervalue them throughout the league in his experience? Yeah, man, he, I would I would imagine that he values linebackers as much as anybody drafting linebackers values them. Yes, I would probably say he's first, given what he just did. I like the Lloyd move, and I'm telling you, I, you you called a game. I just seen a highlight package. Maybe I'd heard him on like a podcast or whatever. I mean, they name yeah his highlight package. That guy was crushing people. Chad Muma. Good he had blonde, like blonde, like did he have long hair in the highlight package? I can't remember. Yeah, definitely a white guy flying around. Sleep in Wyoming. Wyoming's having a little moment, having a little run. Well, I mean, their coach is a good. They got a good coach. They got North Dakota State's coach, Craig Bowl. North Dakota State just feels like that thing, that train that just keeps on churning, no stopping it. Like, are they never going to lose an NAL guy? <laughs> no. You know, it's gonna be like, well, no, none of the guys ever leave. I one reason I bet they benefit from is like who is gonna watch that much North Dakota State film? It's so much easier to be like, oh, hey, Pitt's got this offensive lineman. Because I remember E Ray, our guy Derek Ray, who's now Florida State's coordinator, I asked him, like, what were your rules at Oregon State? And I would imagine most programs have a similar that when a guy hits the transfer portal, right? It's did we recruit him? which is a pretty basic one, right? Do we know the guy? Do we have a relationship with him? Two, was he a power five starter, right? So if you're at a power five program, if a guy from another power five program is a starter and is transferring, immediate watch, which makes sense, right? If a guard from Iowa State's transferring, watch him. But what are the rules? And then if they reach out to you, you know, or you hear something, it intrigues you. But like if a North Dakota State guy, if you're Oregon State or hell even Fresno State, like you would, pr- they'd need to come to you to tip you off, probably to make you get effort. Because even look at or somebody you at, have some connection to somebody. Look at the non-power five programs who they end up getting a lot of power five, like Fresno States and the San Diego States and the FA. They get like the guys from Oregon State or Cal or Texas or whatever, right? They get that spillover. Almost North Dakota State's in a good little position in the middle of nowhere. You're telling me Watson, people wouldn't have taken him last year? I think part of it, too, I'd have to go back. I don't know this, so I'm speaking a little out of turn here, but I wonder if they have such a good, they have such a strong system going that they don't, do they not often have like freshman breakouts? Like, do those guys not become really good until their junior year? And then they just, maybe they just go pro then. I don't know. Like, do they develop so well that they don't have a lot of young guys playing? But, you know, they, they, here's what they definitely don't have is four-star guys riding the bench as freshmen. No. That's where you get a lot of portal guys. It's like, I came here. I was supposed to get a chance to play. I'm a four-star. There's nine other teams that want me. I'm gone. Well, if you look at a lot of the guys that are transferring, like Jordan Addison is at a high level. So he's like really on the map. When we had Khalil Shakir on, wouldn't you put Boise in that tier too? Like they don't have a lot of guys that, you know, Oregon almost landed this guy at Boise State. No, Oregon wouldn't even talk to him. So once he becomes good, he just probably fits the culture and he just stays. You know, I where it would happen at even a Boise or a Fresno is when you have a coaching change and then people like evaluate their situation if they're good enough. Like to me, if Boise State had like a star running back or a star pass rusher who's definitely a first rounder, but he's like a sophomore and their coach gets fired or leaves, then people would sniff around on that guy if he's around. But if, if things are just going well, the likelihood a guy at Fresno State or Boise State or San Diego State, if things are going well, it's just going to leave, it might not be as high because they weren't in the mix in the first place. 
right? Like Jordan, like he plays for for week on week. Florida State, Miami, Clemson, right? Big bowl game. Kenny Pickett. Every scout's coming through. Well, what do scouts do? Do you know what I would do now if I was a college coach or college recruiter when the scouts come through? Like, who do you see at other schools? Who's who's jumping out? Yeah. Can you imagine the conversations happening now? Like, hey man, you should take a look at this guy. <laughs> Honestly, that's an underrated part if you are a recruiting coordinator is really get tight with a couple scouts and be like, just, I'll just, once a month, you just kind of, who's jumping out, young underclassmen at some maybe even smaller schools. I also think there's a value in a major recruit star player on your own team, especially if it's a quarterback. So like Caleb Williams, right? USC is getting accused of all kinds of tampering. Caleb Williams knows Jordan Addison. Caleb Williams has connections now to like all these other NIL deals. He's got some NFT platform with Matt Liner. Like Saw he that. could to me, you know, the way I kind of look at it is like LeBron James having his own agency. And then his team that he plays for, he says, I want you to sign John Middlecoff, who just so happens to be represented by my agency. And then my agency benefits from John Middlecoff signing with my team, who I wanted him on my team anyway. So now Caleb Williams can do business deals as part of this like platform that helps other players get NIL deals, he benefits from them. So he doesn't need Lincoln Riley. Hell, he doesn't even need a collective. He can just hit up Jordan Addis and be like, Jordan, come to my NIL platform and come play with me at USC. Like until they say players are tampering, because players are agents for the program, basically, right? And oh, they're yeah. agents for themselves, like their own. I make money off you coming here. Was but it? aren't they run, aren't they runners too? Basically, for like once they get in a, what, whatever the verbiage for the NIL, what's that thing called? A collective. Yeah, the collective. Once you become a member of the collective, you would use like get, hey, get these three guys. We'll funnel them money through that. Like you're my you're my runner. USC doesn't even have a collective. Well, who, who's paying? Uh, they, the boosters. But there's not like a, a an organization. It's just. Who do we need to pay? Who oh, do we it's need not to... like the ten. It's not like the Tennessee setup. No, they don't have an official collective. They just got so, so it's much just a collection of people <laughs> of trying to figure out who to spend money on. And Caleb Williams is like, I got some guys. No, I don't. I'm not saying that's what happened, but I'm saying having a star player who is highly recruited, which means he's been to the All American games, he's been to all this, he's been to everything. Right? He's been. He knows all these guys, and he's from this. He's from the DC area, which really helps because that's where Jordan Addison's from. Like that guy can tell your boosters who to oh, pay. That makes sense how they know each other. They're from the same area. From the same area. Well, if you and I, let's say Fresno State probably is a bad example. Let's just put us at UCLA, where you know I don't it doesn't feel like they're spending that much nil money. Say, hey, listen, Chip, or uh, you know, ideally, can we get a new coach in there? But Chip's gonna be there a minute. We'd go, hey, we have a million dollars to give out, and you're allowed to give it any way you want, but. I'm I'm not going to give it to any incoming recruit. I will give it to sweet transfers. So you can pay. We'll each, we have a million dollars total a year. I have no problem paying two guys 500 a pop, right? Be in that category. Because if I was a booster, Saban and Kirby have a pretty long track record. I'd feel pretty good about their evaluations and probably Ohio State too. A lot of these programs, though, it's pretty hit or miss. Like for every guy that Mario got a lot of credit for, there are going to be some of these guys that are going to end up transferring and be nothing. Buy me Jordan Addison's. Buy me the transfer guys. That, right. That's what – if I was giving the money, I, I hey, I want to be part of this program. I have cash for you. 
I my money is allocated only for Caleb Williams, Jordan Adams, but even remember Chip was getting like guys from Michigan, like those type guys, starters. Yeah, well, his running back, right? The, the it, thing it, is, I think he had an offensive lineman too from another school. The, he had like four starting transfers last year on his team, didn't he? The, the the challenge though is that you do need guy like Caleb Williams is great because he's only he's a true sophomore. Right, Jordan Addison. A lot of these guys are transferring, aren't you know, third, fourth year guys. Yeah, yeah I'm right? just saying that's what you want. Like, because if you're if you're going to forego the high school guys, which you don't have to do, you can try and sign everybody, not everybody, but you know what I'm saying. Um, you do want to kind of build some continuity in your program, have a couple of years, two, three year guy, two, three year players, right? So you need I, some. I'm of the not a proponent freshmen. of signing just just transfers. Obviously, you know, especially linemen. You, linemen is where you really need it. I think it's the freshman linemen. You're saying 18-year-old lineman. Yeah. But what if I can get a 19-year-old guy that just was a backup at Alabama and thought he was never going to play? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm just – I think it's harder to play. There's just not as many, like, four- and five-star offensive linemen in the portal as there are – you know, you get more, like, big-time quarterbacks. There's less offensive linemen, that kind of thing. Yeah, and those guys – there's less of them. And, th- and those guys have value, right, on the portal. Like, if I'm a starting lineman from – Let's just pick a program, Iowa, and I'm a starting guard. I've started two years, and I have two more years of eligibility, and I'm going to transfer. How many people would be all over that guy? Yeah, like, it doesn't lot. feel like that guy. Like for, Caleb's and the Addisons get all the credit, but there aren't like Evan Neal's in the portal. Like the, honestly, teams you might and I fight more of, over that guy. <laughs> you and I have talked about this before. It feels like linemen is just too much effort. Like, I don't want to move. And, you know, it's just like, I know where the cafeteria is here. Like, they got I'm me good, at the, man. I'm, I'm starting. I'm, I know my position. They know me. I don't want to, yeah. I don't know what they're doing over there. I, I just I like I my line gr- coach. I got this girlfriend on the soccer team. Like, my life's good. Quarterbacks are always like, can you imagine? I'm going to go like, eighth in two years. No one's heard of me. Doesn't matter. I'm good, man. I'm good. <laughs> I actually don't get yelled at as much as people think. You show up, lift, block, go home, eat. Yep. Put it on tape. Wait for Jeff Schwartz to put me on Big Boys Club. Do yeah. you think Evan Neal or Aquanu ever once thought about transferring? <laughs> Too big of a pain in the ass. Yeah. Transferring is a pain in the ass. I, I pain in the ass. Right. Like Jordan Addison, does he have to move all his shit or did USC just pay for it all? Well, he hasn't picked the school yet. Sure. Oh, you're saying like- wherever he goes, what who pays for his move? Well, let's we gotta we gotta be real though. I mean, it was Caleb like Caleb hadn't picked the school yet, and then he went to USC. Yeah, this feels like it's this feels like it's been a done deal, right? I'd be shocked if he's not at USC. Yeah, but I'm just saying that like, Texas in the mix. I mean, th- there have been some reports that like this is not as done as that tweet that made the rounds on Sunday or Monday. The guy saying three million, it's done. That whole thing. Well, because he's good enough that all the other top programs, like who's to say that LSU or A and M or I mean, yeah, I mean, part of it's low, but you you're going to be a first round pick if you just stayed at Pitt, probably. So you don't want to take a step back from a football stock standpoint, right? When I'm a high school kid, I get five official visits, meaning my senior year, I can go on their dime to five schools. Now I can unofficial and pay my own way, quote unquote, in the South. You know, they'll pay for it, but five. Do you have an unlimited amount when you're in the transfer portal? Can a team fly you in? Do you know the rule on that one? I'd be fascinated. I don't, I don't know the rule on that. I the would transfer be surprised. portal guys visit. Have you ever? Read I would that? be surprised. Yeah, portal guys visit because two weeks ago, Eric Gentry, who was a freshman All American in the portal from Arizona State, was at the USC spring game and then committed to USC a few days later. Wait, what school did he start at? Arizona State. 
Then he bounced. Freshman All-American. Linebacker. Just went to USC a week ago. The Sun Devils just lost one of their best players to USC? Yes. That hurt. They lost their best receiver in the portal uh, around the same time. I think they, they. I think they had a max ex, mass exodus. Um, they have had uh, eighteen scholarship players from last year's team enter the portal. It's not nothing. No, it's not. There's a lot of Jets fans in the chat screaming at each other. I don't. Yeah, I don't mind it. Although now it just gets it hijacked. People yelling about the Jets. All right, y'all. Thanks for hanging with us today. We always appreciate it. Uh, we always appreciate your support. What? J-E-T-E-E? J-E-T-E? Jeter? Derek? To quote, to, you know, we'll finish on a Jets note today, John. To quote the great Rex Ryan. Let's go, Let's go get, get a goddamn snack. snack. I thought you were going to go, Herm. You play to win the game. Jets have a, there's like a Mount Rushmore of great Jets coach quotes. I'd say those two are on there. I don't know anything Rich Kotite ever said, but they have a butt all fumble. gas, no breaks. Robert Sala did beat Belichick in the playoffs on the Parcel. This is why you lift all them damn weights. Although he yeah, might have said man. that as the Giants coach. I think he did Giants. Like that was like peak Parcells. But I, Bill I'm sure Belichick to people. Yeah. To, to quote the great Bill Belichick, I'm leaving and I'm not going to be your coach. <laughs> Adios. Eric Mangini, pack up your stuff. We're going. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 